welcome to I See Star Wars, a podcast about vintage Star Wars action figures. I am your host, Michael Havens, creator of The Imperial Commissary. Come with me, I will be your guide as we journey through the incredible universe of vintage Star Wars collectibles. Welcome to another exciting episode of IC Star Wars. I know it's been a little while since our last episode, but as I said in the beginning, I'm going to fit these in whenever I have a little bit of time. And with a brand new convention that I'm going to be throwing down here in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, that's ICCC. It's the Imperial Commissary Collectors Convention. But with that new convention that I'm going to be throwing down here in Nashville, it's giving me less and less time to have to record the podcast. But I will still keep getting episodes out. I do love it, and I do love the questions that I get from you guys and the feedback. So I will keep doing this forever. You just got to be patient with how... Uh how often I get these out. But today we're going to talk with, uh, from the Vintage Rebellion, Richard Hutchinson, and we're going to talk about doing podcasts and how you can start your own podcast too. So we'll talk about that later, but what we're going to do right now is we are going to first hop into the latest info about ICCC. ICCC is the IC Collectors Convention. It's going to be September 15th in Nashville, Tennessee. If you are VIP, it is September 14th and 15th. Uh, tickets are on sale and everything is on sale. And vendor tables are on sale at www.iccollectorsconvention.com. That's iccollectorsconvention.com. Check it out on the internet there. We have some guest stars up. Uh, guest stars like William Shatner will be there. I wanted to make sure that... Uh, I was able to show everybody this wasn't just a Star Wars convention, but it's a convention for all collectors. If you are a collector and you have a passion for the hobby, whatever that hobby is, if it's vintage Star Wars like me, if it's G.I. Joe, if it's Star Trek, whatever it might be, you're welcome at ICCC. It is going to be for collectors of anything. So please come. Uh, Voltron to, I don't know, aliens, anything. Aliens to Voltron, that's better. Uh, we're also going to have some panels. I've already announced some panels. Duncan Jenkins is going to be there. Uh, he is a writer. He's written four books about Star Wars collectibles. Uh, Gus and Duncan's Comprehensive Guide to Star Wars Collectibles. Gus and Duncan's Guide to Star Wars Prototypes. Gus and Duncan's Guide to Star Wars Cast and Crew Items. And Star Wars Year by Year. He's also written a ton of articles for SWCA and StarWars.com. Uh, he's great guy he's always helped me whenever i have questions about any kind of paper items uh and stuff i don't know uh daniel segoiva is going to be there also he is top toys from argentina uh he lives down there in buenos aires he's going to fly up for the show and he's going to teach us some stuff about top toys top toys is the company that manufactured most of the toys in argentina back in the 80s uh they had the licensing for the kenner line which wasn't really the Kenner line, it was the Top Toys line, but for Star Wars figures, they had licensing. And they had the licensing for uh, MOTU, Mask, stuff like that. Also, another panel presenter I have set up is uh, Kim Simmons. He is the man who shot Skywalker. Uh, Kim is a great guy. He's actually the guy who took a lot of the pictures for the boxes that we know, the vintage Kenner Star Wars box art where you see the great scenes of Bespin, uh, the Millennium Falcon scene, stuff like that. He was the guy who actually created those and took those pictures for Kenner. 
Um, and he sent them off to Kenner, and they got put on the boxes that we love. But William Shatner is very exciting, and since this podcast is not coming out till Friday, I can let you in on a little secret. I'm not going to announce it until Friday uh, on the Imperial Commissary and across Facebook and throughout the social media network that there is. And uh, But I'm not going to announce it until then, but I am going to have Mike Quinn. Uh, you know him better as Nine Numb. He was also the guy who moved Jabba's eyeballs, and he worked on Admiral Akbar, and he was a puppeteer in the original Star Wars movies, and uh, he flew the Falcon with Lando Calrissian in Return of the Jedi, and he is currently in the new Star Wars movies, portraying his character Nine Numb. So uh, it'll be very exciting to have him. There's a lot more guest stars lined up. There's a lot more uh, companies lined up to be vendors, stuff like that. I also wanted to mention that AFA, Action Figure Authority, has signed on to be the diamond sponsor for ICCC. What that does is it involves some uh, branding on... uh, lanyards stuff like that but uh they actually helped out because they came to me right in the beginning and they said how could we help we want to help build this thing for collectors and i said well you know what you could be the diamond sponsor so they uh they signed up for that and i'm very thankful to have afa on board it's good to have somebody that is uh classic and reputable like that that is a sponsor and believes in you from the get-go and i actually have other sponsors i will be releasing but i wanted to say a thank you to afa Um, Next up, we are going to jump right into the Ask Mike section. The day before I actually record my part of the podcast, I uh, put up a post on the Imperial Commissary. Uh, If you don't know what the Imperial Commissary is, it's www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Imperial Commissary. And you'll find us there. That's the main group that spawned everything. Uh, That's the Imperial Commissary. And what I do is I put up a posting on there the day before I record a podcast. And I say, I need your questions for Ask Mike. And I tell them that it's a... Uh, an official uh, uh, segment on the official podcast for the Imperial Commissary, which is IC Star Wars, and ask anything about the Imperial Commissary, current events in the community, uh, about ICCC 2018, or even about me. And I ask people to ask their questions, and then I don't read the questions at all until I come on here and I record. So all these questions are new to me, and that way I can give you honest from the hip answers with no Google. But sometimes people like to squeeze in jokes, so... Please bear with me. Uh, first up, Brandon Michael Ross. When did you start collecting? What got you into it? Also, do you collect anything else aside from Star Wars? Um, I started collecting when I was very young in Torrington, Connecticut. When I was a kid, I used to mow lawns, and uh, my expendable income that I gained from mowing those lawns would be spent on vintage Star Wars items. I had a close little group of friends that we used to watch uh, Empire, Star Wars, and Return of the Jedi all the time. Well, A New Hope, technically. But we used to watch it all the time. We knew all the words. We would do all the trivia. We would recreate the scenes with the toys. And we would do our yard work or our mowing job or our babysitting or whatever. And we would put all our money to going to the local antique stores and stuff like that and buying up the vintage Star Wars. And then showing each other and, you know, it goes from there. Collecting. That's what we used to do. And uh, that's when I started. I took a break all the way through high school. I became pretty cool, quote unquote. (laughs) And uh, the Star Wars stayed in the closet. And then once I met my wife, I started getting back into it because she bought me a Luke Stormtrooper uh, for Christmas about seven years ago. And that's where it all has snowballed from because there is nothing as sad as putting one Luke Stormtrooper on a shelf and looking at that shelf. Uh, (laughs) So you you obviously want to fill it up and then you make a complete set and you make another complete set and then you start collecting carded figures because you're a crazy person. 
and then you end up with a very large collection that looks like Bennigan's purchased your living room. Next up, uh, do I collect anything aside from Star Wars? I do. Um, I collect art. Um, I collect art that I really like. Uh, I'm into African and uh, American, uh, like uh, in Mexico, uh, art from Mexico. Uh, if I like it, if I see it, and uh, if it's a quality piece, I end up buying it, putting it on my wall, and then it's more stuff to put on my walls. Um, but yeah, I do. I do also collect art. Um, but mostly Star Wars. I stick to Star Wars. And I even have some Star Wars art that crosses over. Uh, next up, Jacob Doxeter. Total number of vintage Boba Fetts you own. I don't know. I don't really count, brother. I did count for a contest, I'd say, about two years ago. And I think the number was at 380 or 390. But uh, since then, I've tripled. So I would say close to 900 around there. Um, that's actually a lot of figures if you've ever set up uh, that many figures. I did have 702 stormtroopers at one point, and it was wild. Huge army. Uh, so I, I think that the Bobas are, I'd say, between 700 and 900 Bobas, but I'm not sure. I haven't counted. Uh, next up, Larry Momo. Larry Marmo, sorry. Uh, what do you do as a career other than all this? <laughs> Uh, this is not my career at all. I own a trucking company, www.interstar.com, and I also own a uh, art gallery, a couple art galleries actually, uh, www.icgalleries.com. Uh, that stands for International Contemporary Galleries on that one if you want to Google it. But um, those are the things I do for real life. They are stressful because my boss is a horrible person. Uh, he's actually me. <laughs> so he never gives me a day off. And uh, what I do is when, my, when I do have free time, I like to play Star Wars. And I like to escape from the doldrums of everyday life. And uh, that's what this gives me, and that's what I do. Next up, uh, Chuck Lang. What is the ground speed of an unladen swallow? Chuck Lang, someone already asked that in last week's episode, so go listen. And in Monty Python. Next up, Ryan J. Loso. If you didn't collect Star Wars, what would you be doing? Um, I didn't collect Star Wars for a while there, uh, through high school and college. What I did is I enjoyed myself in different ways. I partied. I would play cards. Um, I enjoy playing cards. I enjoy gambling. Not when it's really a gamble, but I like to go to casinos, stuff like that. Um, I enjoy a fine cigar. Uh and I don't mind going out and having a nice drink or two with some friends. But otherwise, really, uh, I don't know. What would I be doing with that money? Probably, that's a good question. I don't know. I'd have to do something with it. It's a, I don't know. I have no idea. That's a very good question. I guess, I don't know, 401Ks. No, that's not really me. I'm not a slow player. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what I would be doing. That's not really a good answer to your question. I'll try to roll back to it if I can. How old are you? I was born in 1980, so I am currently 37 years old. I was born in October of 1980. Uh, next up, Marsha Parkins. Here's one for you. Have you seen the new HasLab sail barge yet? Bahaha joke. I know you've seen it many times. But serious question, will you be getting one if so would you display it? Uh, all your vintage Jabba Palace figures. I know, 
I would with two skiffs flying around it and with all vintage figures and the modern would only be the barge itself. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, I'm a little bit of a realist, even though I play with Star Wars toys all the time. And I kind of realize that I have no place in my house for a seven foot long, seven foot tall, whatever it is, gigantic, big sail barge. I just I don't have a spot for that. I would rather have a life-size Millennium Falcon in my backyard. Um, as far as it being modern, people like modern. I'm sure it'll sell. I'm sure people will dig it. I'm sure many people will get it. I have seen numerous posts about it, so people are excited about it. I've never been one for the gigantic things. They just end up in the way. Like, I bought that Black Series TIE Fighter for the First Order TIE Fighter. It's giant. And uh, the wings... Once you put them on, you can't get them off, so there is no putting it away. So it's hanging in my collection room, and uh, I've hit my head on it quite a few times. So I think I would rather not have it there. Um, but the sail barge, it's just... To me, it seems like an SS flag, and I am not a G.I. Joe collector, so I haven't had to... Um, I haven't had to have an SS flag and have to work around it in my collection room. It's a it's a big chunk of material, and I think this thing will be the same. Next up, Richard Trosclair. Do you collect some of the Takara Tommy diecast metal figures? I just got Boba Fett, and it looks great. Thanks for all you're doing for the collected community. Thanks, brother. Nice. Uh, thank you for the kind words. Um, I have seen the Tommy Takara. Uh, the ones that I have in the house. My wife has Ray, I think, and uh, possibly a Leia. I know I have the Boba Fetts. I think there's two or three different ones, um, but I, don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. They are very cool. They are very well done. If you are looking for something modern to chase and collect, it's a neat little figure. They, they make a quality little figure there, uh, but I do have the Bobas, and that's good enough for me. Uh, Eric Nederostik. Hey, Mike, here's my question. With all the great announcements that have been coming from ICCC, do you ever worry the convention will get so big not everyone will be able to attend that gets, or not everyone will be able to get in that wants to? Thanks. Uh, brother, uh, that's, huh. I, I think that's great. I think that's great that we have that much faith. Um, it's a massive venue. It's 178,000 square feet. So for it to really fill up, it would need to have like 15,000 people there. And I know that cons like uh, Celebration have 160,000 people show up, but I can't expect something the first year in Nashville to be that big. If it does get to be that big, wonderful. What I'll do is I'll shut down ticket sales, and then the people that have tickets are the ones that get to go. Um, if 100,000 people want tickets to this thing, there's no way that many people can come. So uh, hopefully uh, that many people want to come. And if that many people do, um, I'm sorry, <laughs> it'll be too many. But uh, if if the tickets start getting up really high there into the uh, 8,000, 9,000 for general admission, I'm trying to keep it under 10,000 people total. Uh, so if it does get there and if it blows that number out of the water, that's fine, but I will shut down ticket sales. And then I guess next year I'll have to rent more of the venue or put some outside or something. I don't know, but, uh, I, I'm not trying to make it overcrowded and I am more interested in people having a great time than me jamming as many people as I can into one room. So buy your tickets soon, buy your tickets early, um, but there should be tickets at the door. I foresee there to be tickets at the door. VIP, I'm quite sure, will sell out. They've been selling like hotcakes, and every single thing I announce, more of them sell. So those will be gone. Uh, but 
general admission, I, I would think you'd be able to get general admission all the way up onto the day of September 15th. But I can't guarantee it. If they sell out like hotcakes, you're you're a member of the Imperial Commissary. You'll you'll definitely hear it because I'll announce it way before, so everybody has a chance. Um, but yeah, moral of the story: you want to get in, buy your tickets. <laughs> Vicky Bitter, what is your favorite piece from your personal collection? How and when did you acquire it? <clears throat> Actually, Vicky, uh, my favorite piece in my collection, I would have to say, is the Kim DeSimmons photo sample FET. Um, I don't know which box it's from, but it's one of his photo sample fets from taking pictures. Kim is actually going to be at ICCC and I purchased it from the guy I was just talking about, Eric Nedorostic. And, uh, it was a few years ago now and that's when we became friends and, uh, I ended up purchasing it cause he got it from Kim and, uh, he gave me a fair deal on it and I will have it in my collection forever. Because I am sure that one day I will find a picture in a toy magazine or on a insert or on a box and say, holy moly, that little piece of paint is on my Boba Fett. That's my Boba Fett, which would be uh, really cool, but I haven't really gotten around to it. And it sits up there on my Boba Fett shelf with a very beautiful central spot because I'm a big fan of it. Plus, I became with friends with uh, Kim Simmons over that, and uh, he's, he's a great guy. And he's always been nice, and he's come to a bunch of the IC meetups, and he's going to be coming to do a panel and to do uh, sell his prints and stuff. I'm sure you've seen the prints or his calendars at least. Um, sell his prints and stuff uh, at ICCC, so you will see Kim there. So thank you for the question, Vicky, and I hope to see you in September. Uh, Joey Wish, what do you foresee as the biggest challenge orchestrating the ICCC? Um, telling folks, telling folks is the biggest challenge. That's what takes up most of my time is tweeting and retweeting and hashtagging and stuff like that. But it's good. Um, I have somebody who's going to be helping me on my Instagram, which is good. He's younger and, uh, more mobile friendly than I am. Uh, so he'll be helping me on my Instagram there and that'll help that. But also just telling people the more people i can tell the more tickets sell the more tickets sell the more people get paid that doesn't cost me the money to get paid see the thing is is the way it works the way a convention works is you sign up all the talent all the talent i have all the talent everything is already ready and raring to go um, you release it slowly. Normally, if this wasn't my first year of a convention, you guys wouldn't hear of any guest stars or anything until about a month or two before. The reason why I'm releasing them a little bit early now is to create buzz and to get the word out there about a brand new convention in Nashville that's actually going to be for the collectors. So that's the biggest challenge, but I also have a pretty big voice and uh, I have a whole bunch of websites that I post on and a whole bunch of friends that post and then people that buy the tickets that post and then the vendors that sign up that post and then i also have both afa uh afa has been great with the diamond sponsor they're sending out a email blast and they're putting the flyers in their boxes and cas has been wonderful too and they're putting the flyers in their boxes and i have a whole bunch of people all over the united states feel free to contact me and the world uh that i have sent out flyers to 
they're putting up the flyers in their local stores, uh, up on their cork boards and at the gas stations and barber shops all around the world. So if you see one of those flyers, be sure to take a picture with it, a selfie, and then post it up on the Facebook page. There's a pinned post thread, and there's a really cool Buena Vista Gardens poster uh, that was a limited release uh, way back in the day, 95. It's pretty rare and it's a really nice poster there's a good link for information on it there but go to www.facebook.com forward slash iccc 2018 and the pin post is there if you happen to see a flyer or if you want flyers reach out to me i'll send you some flyers you put them up you take that picture um and then you get yourself a cool poster maybe <laughs> if you win it next up uh mark catley Will you ever visit us down under, Australia, and especially New Zealand? You can crash at my place here in Christchurch. We can hunt out uh, New Zealand toll toys. Uh, brother, Mark, I, I'd love to. I plan on it eventually. I have a lot of friends down there in Australia through the Star Wars thing. Uh, Andrea is dying for a toll toys vinyl cape Jawa, so I'm going to have to go there to get it because uh, I'm not finding one cheap with uh, shipping it from Australia. But, uh, yeah, definitely. I definitely want to come down under, hopefully sometime next year, if we can swing it. Um, my wife has a real job where she doesn't work for herself, so uh, she gets a certain amount of vacation time, and Australia is far. But I know there's a couple Australians that are coming out all the way to Nashville for ICCC, so I'm going to owe you guys one for sure, and I will definitely make a trip uh, to the land down under for sure. So you save me the crunchy bars. I'm coming. Next up... Uh, Mark again, P.S. Love listening to the podcast while I'm driving a hearse for work. Cool, brother. Well, there's a shout out for you. I hope the guy in the back doesn't wake up. <laughs> Joseph Chambers, why do you show so much love to little offshoots of the sh I see? I know you support us. I've seen that you support us in my own local group and getting together. You send sticker packs and flyers, buttons, and wristbands. I love spreading the Star Wars word personally. I give away more than I sell, but for me, it's 50-50 deal. I love sharing all things Star Wars toys and beyond, but I also kind of like the attention, LOL. What is it that really gets you going with helping out the little guys? Shoot. The thing that gets me going with helping out the little guys, I was the little guy. And uh, this thing isn't about the Imperial Commissary. This isn't about ICCC. This isn't about Star Wars. This is about the community aspect of a bunch of 40, 30, 40, 50 year old, whatever it is, generations of men, women, and children that collect things. And that gives them a connection to their fellow person. And anything I can do to help that at all is reward enough. Because that's the thing we don't have enough in this life, in this world, in this crazy world that we live in nowadays. We do not have connection with other people. And if Star Wars is what connects us to other people, wonderful. If a offshoot group that is one of my admins for the IC and they want to do a meetup every month or something, and I don't care where, anywhere, anywhere in the world, feel free. If you want to start up a little thing and be a chapter of the IC, I'm not saying we need to have chapters all over the world, but if you want to do something in your local community and it has to do with Star Wars or it has to do with vintage or it has to do with kindness and you want to slap the IC name on it, feel free. Anybody can use the IC name. The IC is not me. It is not a board. It is an idea. The IC is an idea that is, if you are kind and you find other people that share your hobbies and they are kind, 
then that kindness rubs off on each other and everyone is kind together and together we can make things that are incredible. So yeah, brother, anything you ever need, if it's in my ability to give it, if I've got extra stickers, they're coming anybody's way that does anything good for this community to grow this community. Next up, uh, Paige Ryder, if you had to pick one Star Wars character, not the actor, to meet in person, who would that be and why? Star Wars character, not the actor, to meet in person, who would it be and why? It would either be R2-D2 from the originals or Chopper, because I think it would be unbelievably awesome to interact with a droid that is like a droid, not like a C-3PO, because he's sort of like just a human, stiff human person, but... uh like a, an actual droid, R5, R2-D2, even a gonk. I don't think we'd get much of a conversation with a gonk, but I feel that R2 or Chop from the Rebels would uh, at least play a game of cards with me or something. It'd be fun. Plus, they could set up all the uh, armies that I build of the little vintage figures, and they could put them even closer because they'd have very specialized articulating claws. Next up, Cameron Kiffmeyer. What is the one thing besides a rocket fet that you refuse to pay top dollar for and still hope think you could find in the wild? For me, it's the Kellerman book. The Kellerman book is very cool. You could walk into a books a million one day and get one of those for $5 or a dollar. You'd be surprised. Um, no, what it, everything. Everything. Everything that there is that has ever been made that is Star Wars at all is somewhere in the wild. Or it will be somewhere in the wild eventually. Um, it gets really rare into prototypes and stuff like that. What do I not pay a billion dollars for? Pretty much anything that's super duper rare fet. I mean, I'll I'll pay good money for it, but I mean, all right, a Meccano fet, I'm not going to go buy Rick Springfield's for $125,000, but I am sure as heck going to look in every single lot of vintage carded figures I ever see for one. Um, you know, and if one comes up for twenty grand, sure. Uh, but I can't see spending $125,000 on something that, goodness gracious, I'm not saying this happens very much, but what if the bubble popped off? <laughs> then you're sitting there with a loose figure in a card bag that's... Whew, I, I wouldn't... It would put a bad taste in my mouth to take a major hit like that for no reason. So that's why I'd rather it be cheaper if I'm going to keep it forever, if that makes any sense. Um, Michael Tommaso, will there be tickets available if I decide to come out last minute to, uh, ICCC? Yeah, brother. Uh, there'll be tickets at the door unless they sell out. Um, next up, Dan Loso. If I'm buying the first round of the meetup, what are you drinking? Uh, brother, if there's going to be a meetup, I will come out and I'll probably have a beer or something. Uh, I would normally drink a kettle one on the rocks with three limes. If anybody's wondering, that's my drink, but, uh, I think I'm going to be ridiculously busy that weekend but if you want to do it sunday night uh then all bets are off <laughs> jake repus is it true you're getting led zeppelin to play at the iccc that is not true brother um but i will have bands playing throughout the weekend um there will be bands and stuff like that the reason why is it's music city nashville tennessee we have to have some bands uh next up tom lazett Aside from a rocket firing fet, what else is your on uh, your collecting holy grail shortlist? I would really like to get a perfect uh, Luke Jedi top toys, the Argentinian top toys men on card. Uh, it's a tough one. I only have a reseal right now. Not that there's anything wrong with that uh, when it's a really rare card and you can't get an actual sealed one, but uh, it would be really nice to check that one off the list. So if anybody's holding out there, top toys Luke Jedi, please 
Uh, I'll take a Yoda one, too, because my Yoda's not the best. But still, I have one. Uh, Christopher Vargas. Which figure other than Boba has your favorite card art? Least favorite card art. Um, my favorite card art would definitely be the Biker Scout. I've always liked it ever since I was a kid. My least favorite card art, I would have to say uh, Klaatu Skiff because it's just like super duper zoomed in and I don't know. It doesn't really give you, like they should have taken a picture of him on the skiff or something. But uh, it's like really zoomed in and he's got his hands on his hips like he did something wrong. I don't know. Um... And that is it for the Ask Mike section. Now time for a new section called I See Star Wars Teaching Time. This is when I'm going to give you guys some information. Whether you know it or not, that's okay. Uh, there are people that don't know it, so pass it on if you do know it. But what we're going to talk about this week is Lily Letty. Lily Letty is a Mexican company. They got the licensing for Kenner Star Wars items. Uh, they produced them in Mexico. They lost the Kenner symbol down on the corner of the card, and they got the Lily Letty symbol. Lily Letty is actually a manufacturing company. It is not some knockoff. It is not a bootleg. They were made down in Mexico, and they were released in Mexico. And then eventually, towards the end of the Star Wars line, a lot of those made-in-Mexico items started coming up here. But Lily Letty, you could tell the differences. The manufacturing process was very different. Usually the card backs are a negative or positive card back. That would be uh, the negative card back is all black and all the figures are outlined in white. And then the positive card back is the opposite, obviously. Um, there were a lot of differences with Lily Letty because the manu manufacturing process was a lot more lenient down there so you'll find some mistakes um, and anything that seems like it would have dropped the price of the manufacturing process you can kind of see come through on Lily Letty whether it be cheaper plastic on the bubbles or the negative positive card back stuff like that also you'll notice a lot of times on Lily Letty cards and on made in Mexico cards there will be a hole directly behind the figure in the card back um, this I believe this is what I've always been told was to avoid uh, mold growing inside because it's more humid so with all the rain and stuff like that it would allow the bubble to breathe um, Lily Letty figures were made in Mexico and they would have a uh, different COO usually than Kenner figures but some Lily Letty figures like Akbar, uh, the Raincore Keeper, Chewbacca they were also made in Mexico towards the end of the line and then shipped up to America and released on Kenner cards in America. So you could even find a Lily Letty on a uh, Made in Mexico card. If you flip over the card, you'll see on the bottom of the card back, it'll say Made in Mexico. And uh, sometimes on those, though, you get the figure, but you do not get the accessories being Lily Letty. Just the figure is Lily Letty. Because some of the plastics and stuff they say had to be changed when they came to America for the American market. We had a little bit stricter rules. Um, there are some differences with the Lily Letty and the uh, American versions. Some things I could think of is Yoda. His paint is much darker green. Um, the Biker Scout has a short mouth instead of a uh, open bottom of his mouth uh, on the mask. Stuff like that. Uh, the plastic is a little bit different. Boba Fett is a whole different color. Some COOs. A COO is a country of origin mark. You'll find these on the legs of Star Wars figures. Um, I think it's always on the legs, usually on the legs, I'll say. And uh, the COOs usually differ for the different countries of origin that they come from. There were many different countries where Star Wars figures were licensed and made. They had uh, ones down in Argentina, China, Japan, Macau, Hong Kong, uh, where else, Taiwan, 
Um, so all these different places manufactured Star Wars figures, and you can tell where they came from on the back. So you look at the COO, the country of origin. They also came out with a Lily Letty 12-inch line, and it was kind of strange. The Lily Letty 12-inch line, it had an R2-D2 that looked exactly like a Kenner R2-D2, just uh, blown up about, I'd say, five, six times the size, um, about eight inches tall, but looks exactly like a Kenner R2. Um, they would have the Luke, the Leia. Luke kind of looked like a swashbuckler, so did Han Solo. Um, Leia, just a white dress. Uh, Darth Vader, who kind of looked like a techno-retro uh, Russian Darth Vader, I guess. Uh, a, a very different outfit. And uh, the Tusken Raider, which is the strangest of them all, which actually, to tell you the truth, kind of looks like a movie-accurate Tux Tusken Raider. Um, his face is super creepy. Everything about him is super creepy. He's just a creepy, creepy figure. But the R2, I highly suggest if you like R2-D2, it's awesome. It's like somebody just took a Kenner figure and uh, made it bigger. The Jawa's also very cool. Um, I've seen him with a green robe. Uh, he's just like got a little black circle head. Very basic, very boring, uh, way more pointy. It kind of looks like the Jawa's in, uh, what was that, Spaceballs. But they weren't Jawa's, but uh, Yogurt's crew there whatever they were um i'm not sure uh also some of the differences with lily letty a lot of the figures had uh, a little bit of a different take on the outfit it's almost like someone called up the lily letty factory from the kenner factory and said this is what bib fortuna looks like and these are his accessories just make them like that um bib fortuna he has a much darker green cape or he has a, a red cape a burgundy cape um, it's like a dark wine. There are tons of fakes, so be very careful. Ask a friend that knows what Lily Letty is. Ask somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, they also have a red cape squid head, but they came out with the squid head and the Bib Fortuna, both in regular color capes as well. Um, some neat differences. The Emperor came with a Black Chief Chirpa cane instead of his cane, which actually I think is a better cane. It looks uh, taller and more the correct height than the emperor's cane uh that we got with kenner they also had a really cool boba fett since i'm a boba fett fan i'm really into lily letty boba fett's i really like the color of them i think they're great figures but uh they did come out with one and it's considered the removable rocket uh letty boba fett it's technically not a real thing but it is a real thing it uh it's definitely a real thing what it is is it's a manufacturing error Sometime during the manufacturing process, this is a story that I've heard, um, and I believe it's true just from seeing a lot of the way that Lily Letty is made. Uh, but what happened is during the manufacturing process, they run out of rockets for Boba Fett. So what they do is they say, you know what, keep, keep manufacturing them, keep printing them out. We'll wait until we get new rockets and we'll shove them in at the end instead of putting them in the middle and welding them. Who cares? So what happened is a lot of Boba Fetts were made and Sonic welded and everything uh, without a rocket. And then what they would do is they would jam in a rocket right at the end, and that's where we get our removable rocket Boba Fetts. Because the way the tab is on the rocket on Boba Fett, it cannot be removed without either damaging the backpack of Boba Fett or uh, breaking him open, unless it's put in after the manufacturing process, which makes it kind of a neat... Uh, kind of a neat variant figure i've only seen one other of those that's a pvp i have it um but it's very random that it happened it's just somebody wasn't doing their job right there but uh for a whole hunk of them for lily letty not very many they're very hard to find but a whole hunk of them for lily letty 
had that removable rocket because it was put in afterwards. Uh, a couple other variant variations that you could tell very easily. Um, Leia Endor for Lily Letty has a gray Leia blaster, so not all gray Leia blasters are repro. Make sure you do your homework before you burn anything or throw it out. Um, let me think. Nine Numb came with a, a biker scout, or not a biker scout gun, a well, I guess it's a biker scout gun. A TIE pilot gun. Nine Num would come with a TIE pilot gun. So with the Jawa, the Jawa had a removable hood where you could actually take the hood off the Jawa. Uh, Luke Jedi had a darker cape, a reddish cape. There was different sculpts on the Leia Bespins. Uh, there was also some Returno. There seems to be tons of variations when it comes to Lily Letty. Um, even the ATST driver. Uh, just the gray guy drives the ATST with the helmet. He would come with a palace blaster down in the Willy Letty line. Uh, a bunch of little differences like that. You can tell with sculpts. You can tell with mold differences. Uh, there's a lot of information on Lily Letty. There's also Lily Letty overstock. What happened is at the end of the life of the Lily Letty company, there was a dispute, a, a contract dispute between the workers and the owners. And the workers wanted to unionize, and they wanted to make union, and they wanted to make more money. And the Lily Letty company just said, well, it's not really cost-effective, so we'll just shut it down instead. So what happened is Lily Letty had a ton of overstock. You find it um, very rarely now because it's all been put out into the market and people have it in black hole collections. Same thing that happened with proof cards. Like all those proof cards were found and they used to be really cheap to buy an entire set. And now a proof card will run you a thousand bucks. It's just it's gone into the market. More people want it. Therefore, it drives the price up. Anyway, Lily Letty overstock is very difficult to find. And uh, nowadays, but at the end of the factory closing, they there were tons of bags of these Lily Letty Biker Scout heads or Akbar bodies. And what happened is afterwards in the aftermarket with this overstock, a lot of times they would slap them together and make these Frankenstein Lily Letty figures, which would have, I don't know, a Biker Scout's head, but Akbar's body with... Uh, Boba Fett arms or something like that there would be a bunch of different ones that they would make and uh, they would seal them and they would sell them in the little stores and shops for cheap you know they were new figures so those are really cool I like chasing after those true overstock you can see by uh, opening them up uh, if you take them apart and they have not been sonic welded inside a figure there are raised bars which uh, at the factory, they melt those bars together into the slats and they seal your figure together. That's why your figures don't fall apart. If they aren't sealed at all and those bars are all perfect, then you could tell it's overstock because it's never been sealed. Even ones that are not properly sealed or weak welds, we call them weak sonic welds, those you can tell because there's always a little section or something that's melted or sealed or bent out of shape because it was connected at one point when it was manufactured but for lily letty there is more overstock than i've ever seen for anything else i haven't seen another kenner line or another star wars line from any other country with as much overstock as i've seen in lily letty but it's also very very hard to get um because it's so sought after uh, Lily Letty is much more expensive. The reason why it's much more expensive is things in Mexico do not last like things in America. They do not have basements on every house where they just have 
piles and piles of everything that they've ever had ever since they were little kids. We have that luxury here in America. So what happens is stuff would get beat up or lost or thrown away or it goes into a bin because it's going to go to the flea markets and stuff like that. And that happens in America as well. But a lot of our stuff gets untouched because it just gets put on a basement shelf for 20, 30 years. That's what's so tough about hunting for vintage Star Wars in Nashville. We're built on all rock, so they don't dig down and make basements. So there aren't very many basements here. But it's much easier up north where there are basements. Uh, so after all that time, a lot of it's lost, a lot of it's damaged. There are some super collectors down there in Mexico that have really incredible collections. Um, I know a couple of them. They're a couple good friends of mine. But beyond that, you don't just walk around and find a bunch of Lily Letty. It's very rare. It's very sought after all around the world. And that's because the variations are so obvious. Um, one of the major reasons why I love Boba Fett is because Boba Fett has so many variations between Taiwan, Hong Kong, Trilogo, Meccano, Lily Letty. Um, they're, they're all different variations, whether it's paint, whether it's plastic, whether it's the look. Whereas most other figures, it's tough to tell variations for a PvP Stormtrooper versus a Kenner Stormtrooper. Even though COO is different, it's still tough to tell from the front because they look pretty darn close to the same. The wonderful thing about Lily Letty figures is many of them look very different. And the reason why is because they had different laws that decided which paint they used, decided which plastic they used, decided which products they used to make these Star Wars toys. So there's a lot of variations. Um, and that is what makes them fun to collect. And being from America, it's just our neighbor down there in Mexico. So that's what got me started into collecting Lily Letty. Now, I have finished up my loose complete set. I have a couple carded Lily Letty figures, which are beyond impossible to get. I am searching, searching for a carded Boba Fett Lily Letty. If anybody out there is holding one, I would gladly trade or pay um, lots of money for that. But uh, Lily Letty is sought after, and the reason why I believe it's sought after is because it is so close to America, so it is our neighbor, so it's an easy transition. But I also believe it's so sought after because the variants are so blatantly obvious on many of the figures. It really, you can put them side by side with an American Kenner figure, and it's obviously different. It's, uh, it's hard to tell on a lot of the other figures. I mean, a Potch Boba Fett, for example. Potch Boba Fett is so hard to tell. You have to know the color of the paint, the color of the chest paint. You have to look for the spots. You have to look for the extra plastic hanging off from the seam lines. There's 40 different tells to look for on a Potch Boba Fett. But a Lily Letty Boba Fett is scarred out just like a PBP one. It's a whole different color, everything. The body's a different color. The chest paint's a different color. The leg paint, everything is a different color. And uh, that's what makes Letty so fun. I mean, even so many Letty figures are like that. The only ones that really cross over that are really not tellable whether they're Lily Letty or made in Mexico American Kenner figures are the Ewoks. Anything towards the end of the line. If you flip over your Y-Wing, it's probably made in Mexico, which would have been that same factory. Um well, I hope you learned a little bit something about Lily Letty, and if not, there's always Google. Um, you can feel free to check out IC Variants. That's www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash IC Variants, which is a great place to learn about Lily Letty. 
um, and to talk about it and also try out the Imperial Gunnery. Uh, go to the imperialgunneryforum.com or search on Google for the Lily Letty Guide and Discussion Thread by the Imperial Gunnery. It's very informative, has great pictures of COO, stuff like that. So definitely check it out. Up next, I'm going to interview Rich Hutchinson, and we are going to talk about the TVR podcast and how to start your own Star Wars podcast after this. The Emperor has been expecting you. Welcome to Episode 10 of IC Star Wars. We're going to talk with Richard Hutchinson of the Vintage Rebellion podcast. Hey, Richard, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Mike. It's now getting into evening here now. Ah, nighttime. Time for dinner yet? Am I keeping you? Um, no, well, my dogs are lying, looking at me, waiting for their lunch, but they can wait a bit longer. <laughs> Perfect. Um, it's always tough to get to know somebody in a quick interview, so here at IC Star Wars, I do a lightning round to break the ice. So are you ready for your lightning round? Yeah, bring it on. All right. What's your favorite Star Wars movie? Empire Strikes Back. Nice one. Favorite character? Luke Skywalker. All right. Your favorite Star Wars toy line, A New Hope to TFA. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, change that to the Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to see the first wave on the on the Ken I've been at Star Wars line. Twelve bags and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, nice stuff. Um, all right, Rancor versus Wampa, but they're on a frozen lake. Who wins and why? The Wampa wins because I think the Rancor will crack the ice and it'll go straight through, uh, plummeting the depths. Fair enough. Lucasfilm gives you a call tomorrow and they say you get to choose the next Star Wars spin-off movie. What do you pick? Boba Fett. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, don't tell him. Keep the price down. I'm not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what another friend of mine said. Please, no more Fett. <laughs> yeah, no more. Great lightning round, brother. Well, I know who you are, but let's fill in the listeners. Uh, Richard Hutchinson runs the Vintage Rebellion podcast with co-hosts Stuart, Pete, Jez, and Simon. If you want to hear a professional podcast unlike this one, I highly suggest giving a <laughs> TVR podcast a listen. They're 45 episodes deep, five hours an episode. They have songs. They have games. They have trivia. They do charity works, and it's they have vintage Star Wars everything from what things cost to what's rare, what's a different item of this, what's a specialized focus it's it's awesome definitely check it out and they even have me on for a guest star for one of the upcoming ones so definitely give them a listen so without further delay what do you say to some essay questions yeah we'll go for it but thanks for all of that mike um i must admit our recordings they said five hours we'll probably record for 20 hours and edit it all down so i'm sure we're working polish a lot of our working up well, just the just the amount of editing, I, I couldn't even imagine it, brother. It's, I, the amount I have to do for this little thing, and it's just me blabbing into a microphone, which should be a lot easier. But it's uh, it's amazing, and I don't even know how stuff gets lost. But here, we'll, we'll keep moving on. We don't want to bore the bore bore the normals that don't have uh, horrible horrible podcasts to weed through. <laughs> uh, what is your first Star Wars memory, brother? I do remember going to see An Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi double bill. And those weren't that common because we've got, we got tri triple bills quite often, but I do remember seeing the double bill. And I remember coming out at the end of the movie and seeing two posters on the wall. And one was an Ewok, which I believe was Wicket with the spear. And the other one was a Star Destroyer. And I remember Vader's head above the poster. And I remember saying to my auntie, I wanted the Star Destroyer, and she was pushing me to go for the Ewok. 
and for the life of me, I can't remember which one I get, and I've never seen the poster since, and I've talked to a lot of guys in the UK, and nobody can really pin these posters down, so it's possible that the cinema that I went to had their own independent run of posters, um, which was a thing in the UK back then, uh, but that's my earliest memory. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was the Ewoks, man. Mine was uh, Return of the Jedi, but the thing was, is my sister taped the Cabbage Patch Kids right over the ending. Oh. So, so it was like, take the shot, kid. Let's blow this thing and go home. And <laughs> the Cabbage Patch. <laughs> uh, what got you into Star Wars collecting? Because you're an actual vintage collector. I am, but before I was a vintage collector, I went into literature. So when the Zahn movies came, eh, sorry, when the Zahn books came out and the Kevin G. Anderson books, <laughs> yeah, but should be movies. I just devoured them, and I could just couldn't couldn't get enough of them. I was I was going down comics, I was going down um, computer games, the Dark Forces, and things like that. That was my real collecting passion. And you know, I've got hundreds of movies and you know thousands of comics, and as far as toy collecting was concerned, I've only been a toy collector for about maybe eight to ten years now with a push. Um, and that was just a natural progression because by joining forums, which there were in Facebook groups at the time, but by joining forums and other people were talking about other avenues and talking about figures, and I thought, you know what, I did have the figures. I think, I think I'll think i dip my toe back in the water. But yeah, for me, the Expanded Universe was my Star Wars for many, many years. Um, and I, when Disney took over, my first thoughts were, you can do what you want with the movies, but you better not touch my expanded universe. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I completely hear you. Uh, the Thrawn trilogy is one of the best. Well, not the Thrawn trilogy. The, the Heir to the Empire trilogy was yeah. uh, one of the best mm -hmm. things I've ever, ever read. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't care what it was. It could be. I, I don't care. It, it's if you haven't read it, whether or not they think it's canon, they're wrong. Read it. <laughs> yeah, you're missing. You're missing out on a huge arc and adventure if you don't read it. And the fun. After the whole point of the EU with the books were fun, yeah. and. I don't know if you read any of the canon novels, but I, I believe the canon novels, when I read them, they're more restricted in that they've got to fit in the new timelines and they've got to fit in the new movies. But right. back then, these were fun stories that could go anywhere. Very imaginative. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love those. Highly suggest reading them. Um, okay. Uh, talk a little bit about what TVR uh, is and what started it. Yeah, so the Vintage Rebellion podcast, we actually started off as a Star Wars Forum UK podcast. And... I used to listen to the Kivecast, and I, I love the Kivecast with Sky and Steve. Um, that's another podcast I'd recommend. And it was Stuart actually proposed it first of all. He said, why don't, as Stars Form UK, we start our own podcast? And I thought, you know what, I'd like to be involved in that. But I was a little bit shy, and I thought, well, I'm a nobody in the hobby. I, I still view myself as a nobody in the hobby. I, I'm just another collector who's, you know, forging his own way. And I was like, well, who's going to want to listen to us? But the argument put back by Stu and um, at the time we had Grant and Ben and a couple of other guys, um, they, they said, but we're going to focus it on a UK perspective. We're going to talk about Helix products. We're going to talk about Letraset and, and Shreddy boxes. And I thought, you know what, that, that's really interesting because you they won't hear that on the Kivecast. So we started off as Stars Form UK podcast, expecting about 50 people a month to listen to us. And it spiraled out of control from there. And going to events, you know, like con, small cons like Fathers From Toy Show, which is one of the best cons I've ever been to. It's absolutely awesome. Only vintage um, sellers are allowed there. It's absolutely brilliant nice. uh, con. Going to places like that, 
and just, you know, meet new people and chatting. And I got in with the guys at Jedi News, so I started writing for Jedi News. And then um, I now write for Fanta Tracks, which is um, a couple of guys from Jedi News has broke away and set up their own uh, Star Wars and Star Trek website. So I now write for those as well. I've just got back from Finse, which is in Norway, where they filmed uh, Empire Strikes Back. I'd spent three or four days there, and that was absolutely awesome. And it was all because of just Stu initially saying, let's start the Star Wars Form UK podcast. And once it got to, uh, I think it was Celebration Anaheim, um, Grant and Jez came back from Anaheim and they both said, um, this the branding isn't working for the Americans. They're seeing Star Wars Form UK as being UK podcast. So we made the decision to change to the Vintage Rebellion. That's why you'll hear us talking about Star Wars Form UK on some of the earlier podcasts. Mm-hmm. But we, we, we rebranded to be international and um, I'm really pleased to say that, you know, we appreciate everybody who listens to our podcast. We listen, you know, a lot of people give us advice and say that didn't work, which is great. We're not going to get upset by anything. We listen to everything and hopefully we'll make the next one better. That's where we've always been. That's awesome. I'm completely the other end of the spectrum. If you don't like it, shut it off. No, I'm just <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Please tell me anything. I always want to learn and I always want to get better at it. Yeah. Um, well, you have a very impressive collection of 45 five-hour-long episodes. That's over 250, 225 hours of Star Wars content. That means that you've actually recorded about 10 billion hours of Star Wars content. Now, I've only done 10 episodes with this podcast. Um, none have been more than a couple of hours, so I can't even imagine how you edit all that media. Any advice for folks out there that would like to start their own Star Wars podcast? Yeah, I would reach out to people who've already recorded podcasts because I made the same mistakes that, you know, you've made and we both made the same mistakes that the Kivecast made. So so reach out to somebody and just ask them advice. Ask them advice about equipment. Ask them advice about, you know, recording software. Ask them for advice on how to edit it using, you know, free free programs like Audacity. Um, you know, you don't need to buy expensive software. You, you don't need, you know, these huge kits that I've seen many people buy and and plan it out. Um, that's what we wanted to do so with uh, the Vintage Rebellion podcast. We wanted to plan it out. So so I said, well, I like to keep up to date with current news and events. So I wanted my section to be about that. And then Stu said that he let, he wanted to interview, um, you know, collectors about their stories. So he was going to go down that route. So we we planned it out. And every every month we have very, very detailed show notes and each, all five of us contribute the show notes and then we email them around so we all know what we're going to talk about before we record um, and always have a backup plan because the amount of times that we've gone to record and the software's failed or the internet connection's not good or the person you're interviewing has had to you know, dash off for whatever reason, it, it, sometimes it can leave you in a little bit limbo. So, so always plan. And I, I think planning is the key to good podcasts. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, don't take it seriously. It's all fun. It's yep. all fun. That's the best part about it is the fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, we, we make mistakes. We say things and I listen to them back and I go, I can't believe I said that. You know, or like, for example, I don't know, what did I say not too long ago? I said something along the lines of um, that all cabinets are not very good at displaying Star Wars collections. And <laughs> the guy slammed me for that. And I didn't mean it the way I said it. But when I listen back to it now, I thought, okay, you come across a bit of a jerk there, Richard. <laughs> because I've got debt of cabinets, you know, and I, I know why people get them. But w- what I meant to say was, you know, that there are better display solutions. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, but it's just all fun. I don't take it seriously. And you, you can't take it seriously. You, you can't have an ego and you, you can't, uh, you've got to be able to take criticism. Because if you put yourself out there, you've got to be able to take the criticism, listen to it, 
and he says, thank you for that and i'll act upon it or dismiss it perfect yep <laughs> uh well you are a collector um what is the favorite piece in your whole collection oh now it, this changes but i'm going to say that because i'm an r5d4 focus collector mm-hmm. my favorite piece is the sigma r5d4 pepper shaker which came, it came in the, the set with R2-D2. So R2-D2 was a salt, um, the salt shaker, and R5-D4 was pepper. And I've been looking for the, I've been looking on eBay for a long time, but they were always really expensive. And a guy had listed, it was, he was from the States, and he listed just the R5-D4 without the R2-D2, and the price was really reasonable. So I, I got that, and that's probably my favorite piece right now, a really unique little item. I like those Sigma things. Uh, the Darth Vader lamps turn up from time to time over here. Yeah, yeah we've talked <laughs> about those. And the, <laughs> yeah, Stu, who's on our podcast, has a Sigma Focus. He, he has the, the teapot and the, the tape dispenser, the C3PO tape dispenser, oh, and all nice, those kind yeah. of things. <laughs> wacky, wacky, insane, some of them. <laughs> Uh, as far as as far as carded figures go, yeah. um, I've I've got quite a good R5D4 um carded collection. I'd say out of those, my favourite's pro- probably the Palatoy 20 back. Oh, um, wow. I was really pleased to get one of those because they are insanely expensive, insanely and I had a they are I had a I had a um a reseal one, and I don't mind reseals for things that are very difficult to obtain. It's sometimes you've got to accept the reseal if you want it in your collection. Um, but I was pleased to be offered um, a genuine fully sealed one at a reasonable price. And when I sold my reseal, I put that price towards that one. So I actually didn't end up paying that much for it at the end of the day. Nice. So, yeah. Well, that's that's the best way to grow your collection is to constantly be upgrading whenever you see that good deal. You have to hop on it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you could have any prop from any of the movies, what would you want? <laughs> Oddly enough, we just asked ourselves this question. It was either on the last show or the one before that. I would say, and it changes often, but I would still say Luke Skywalker's lightsaber handle. I think that is probably the most iconic movie prop in history. You know, I think everybody looks at that and knows exactly where it is. Sure enough. I, uh, I've i actually seen, I, I know a guy with one of them and I, I've seen it and it's uh mm-hmm. it's just the uh it's it's not the screen used it's the uh you know the production prop one that they use for <laughs> testing or whatever yeah and they made uh, several of them yeah yeah mm-hmm. and it, it's uh it's neat you can tell from across the room exactly what it is yeah brilliant right. yeah. Mm-hmm. um okay uh before I let you go well no what what is your favorite part about the podcasting favorite part about podcasting is learning about people's stories it, although I would love to hear about the guy who's got the rocket firing fed, and I would go, wow, you got a rocket firing fed. It's the story behind that that I like. I like to know about the fact that, you know, you, you've got in your car and you, you're meeting somebody in a dark alley and you don't know whether they're going to turn up with the right, you know, amount or um, some of the guys, some of the talks on the Kivecast, you know, when they talk about running out of petrol as they're heading towards a, a meet and greet, you know, that kind of stuff. I think it's fantastic. I love the stories. I love the backgrounds. Um, almost as much as I like the pieces themselves. Yeah, that's uh, the wonderful part about even these uh, conventions and stuff. It's the the stories of uh, people attaining those pieces. Like uh, there's certain ones that I'll buy many many months out, and then you're 
waiting to meet somebody so you can get it delivered in person because you're both going to be at the same place. And yeah, mm-hmm. really, the stories are the best part. All right. Well, before I let you go, um, we need your Icy Star Wars Pearl of Wisdom. Since Icy Star Wars is focused on vintage Star Wars items, and our guests like you are some of the most knowledgeable collectors around, I ask every single guest to give one collecting tip. It could be anything at all from what to find, what to hunt in the wild, or these are all the known variations of Palatoy cards. Uh, something I've learned personally from my experience in this hobby is that every collector knows solid info about something, but no collector knows everything. And if we all keep learning from each other, then the community is going to grow. And that's what that's what we do this for. That's what you do your thing for. That's what I do the things I do for. We're just trying to make it grow so that way we have more friends. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I mean, even, even you know, the, the likes of the SWCA guys, they say exactly the same. Nobody knows everything. Um, I think my biggest tip is, and I didn't realize this until about two months ago, and I kicked myself for it. When you go and visit the SWCA website, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that when you click on an item, so say I've got, I don't know, the Imperial Shuttle, and I'm looking at the Imperial Shuttle, and I've got the description there. On the right-hand side, there are links, very, very small links. They're hard to see, but they are links to different parts, such as the pre-production items, the the, the images from the Toy Fair catalogue. And I, I would urge everybody just to go back on the SWCA, have a look at an item, I don't know, Millennium Falcon, for example, and just look on the right-hand side, because I can't believe that I've missed those over, over all the years I've been using that website to do some research. That's wild. Yeah, if anybody's wondering, uh, that's uh, SWCA uh, on what is it? SWCA. It's the SWCA.com. Yep, it's it's Gus's and um, it's it used to be yeah. Toys R Gus and it, it became the SWCA.com and I'm lots of guys to look write right for that. Now where you're talking mm-hmm. about, but uh, the yeah, it is the SWCA.com. T-H-E-S-W-C-A.com. And uh, yeah, for uh, I, I started I. I don't know why, brother, but I started down this bootleg path like three years ago. And mm-hmm. uh, without the SWCA page, it would be impossible. So definitely check out uh, it, it's uh, the Star Wars Collectors Archive. Great page. Um, and yeah, I do see where you're talking about. And I've never noticed that either. To tell you the truth, the way I search this is I type in whatever I want on Google and put SWCA after it. And then mm-hmm. I find whatever page. Cause <laughs> it's, it's such a massive database of information. It's uh, it's wonderful. And um, constantly going too, constantly going. That's oh, the beauty yeah. about Star Wars. We're still finding things out now that we never knew existed. Absolutely. Well, also uh, give the website for your uh, podcast so we can make sure to plug that too. Yeah, so we are found on Podbean. So it's swtvrpodcast.podbean.com. Um, and we're available on iTunes. And we're also on Facebook, which is probably the best way to hit us up. So if anybody wants to contact us, just message us through Facebook at The Vintage Rebellion. And we've also started pushing Instagram as well now on The Vintage Rebellion. And thanks to everybody who follows us on all of those platforms. Nice, perfect. Also, uh, because they have good search engine optimization, unlike me, uh, you can just type in The Vintage Rebellion on Google and it'll pop up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, perfect, brother. I really appreciate you being on, Richard. I really appreciate you talking to me and sharing a little bit about your story uh, for the IC Star Wars podcast here, a podcast for collectors by collectors. Delighted to be on, Michael. I've really enjoyed my time talking to you tonight. In fact, this is going to be one of the highlights of 2018 for me. Oh, no, I hope not, brother. I hope you find a, a really rare R5 or something. Uze, men on card, 20 bucks at the next boot sale. I'm sure of it. <laughs> Good. 
Thank you very much for listening to another exciting episode of IC Star Wars, the official podcast of the Imperial Commissary. Be sure to check us out on Instagram at IC Collectors Convention. Check us out on the internet at www.imperialcommissary.com. Check us out at www.iccollectorsconvention.com. Also check us out on Twitter at ICCC 2018 and check out the con Facebook page at www.facebook.com ICCC 2018 that's facebook.com forward slash ICCC 2018 and check out where it all started way back in the day at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Imperial Commissary until next time have a great time be safe keep collecting keep hunting stay hunting in the wild and I'll see you in September <laughs>